October. We are ready and expectant. Welcome. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks for the invite today. Um, thanks for uh, yeah, doing what uh, Phil does best, and that's get everything happening. So that's cool. <laughs> um, just a bit of background um, to introduce myself. Um, I passed to Westside Church in Hamilton, but um, before then we were five years down in Tamaranui, pastoring down there. Um, Back it up a bit further, if you want to get to know me a bit more, um, at the age of 14 I was given three weeks to live, so um, yeah, the doctors gave up on me. I had all the chemotherapy that you could ever have, and um, they took my spleen out down here, and at that point they told mum that I had no chance of living. Um, they opened me up, and I was so full of cancer all through my body that they, the doctor walked out of the operating room and left the nurse to sew me up, so I have got big stitches, death stitches, what they call so um, they gave, gave me, and then God stepped in, woo <laughs> And uh, I um, have not only got no cancer, they can't find a skirk of cancer in me, um, but once you have chemotherapy, you can't have children, I've got three. <laughs> so that's just a bit of my background to get you to know me. That's my wife, Carolyn. And our grandson that went out there. It's funny because you look at your grandkids and you go, if God hadn't saved me, I wouldn't have grandsons. You know, it's like, really, God is so good. So it's really neat to be here today and uh, hope you get something out of what I share. Um, I'm part-time pastor. I've always been um, sort of looking after small churches, so I do work two days a week for the church and the rest of the time I'm a plastic welder. So if anybody wants plastic welding done, I'm the man. <laughs> you know, when your wives bump into trees and garages, you know, come on, come on. <laughs> fix anything, you know, you guys, if you're on your bikes, you know, and you just, you know, hit something on your bikes, I fix those too. So nothing I can't do with plastic, so that's cool. Um, it's interesting in your um, prayer meeting this morning, I felt God say, there's some people here that have possibly got limiters. And everybody know what a limiter is? If you've got a V8, you know what a limiter is? A limiter hits in at 180K. They get to 180K and the limiter clicks in and it won't go any further than 180K. Now, I believe God's saying there's people in this room today that have got limiters. So pull off the limiters. Go further than the, what you've ever been before. Extend yourself. So that's what I felt God saying this morning. There's somebody in this room that's got a limiter on, and you need to put the foot down even further. So that's just, just what I felt God saying in the room this morning, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. Um, we're going to look at Luke 5, 1 to 11. Luke 5, 1 to 11. All those people have got their electrical, electronic devices, or there's a few people that have still got Bibles. <laughs> One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were pressing upon or crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at a water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen. 
who were, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, and one belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon asked, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I have let down the nets. Isn't it strange how, um, you know, you can imagine these are fishermen. They know what they're doing, right? They've been fishing all their lives. Their parents have been fishing. And then Jesus says, hey, let down your nets. You can understand him saying, we've been fishing all night. You can understand a bit of attitude here from the disciples. Like, ah. You know, who are you? <laughs> you know, you might be the part, you might be Jesus, but, you know, we're the fishermen. You know, you preach your sermon and, and we'll do the fishing. You can sort of see it. But then you, you, you read on and Simon says, um, when they have done so, they caught such a large a number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sing. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, for now you will be fishermen of men, of people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. God, I just pray today for your word. I pray, Father, that your word touches hearts this morning, God. God, I just pray that your spirit just touches our hearts. God, that something out of your word touches somebody's life today. Father, I pray that we don't leave this room or leave this building without um, getting something out of your word today. God, touch us, we pray. And everybody goes, turn to the person next to them and say, man, you're looking good today. And the other person on the other side say, if you weren't sitting beside me, you wouldn't get such a blessing. (laughs) The crowds were pressing in. They 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 were getting awkward. Jesus was preaching up a storm. Everything was happening. You can imagine the crowds pressing in around Jesus. He, he's standing there, and they're pressing in and pressing in and pressing in. Isn't that what we like sometimes? Things press in around us, you know, like just you have a problem and things press in, you know. It's like, an, and you can't change it. You can't get rid of the pressing in. You just get that feeling of being squashed. You know, um, we moved around a bit. I think we've or married last week for, 20, for 43 years. So um, we've moved around about 20 25 times, 26 times. And we were, when we came back to Tamaranui, we were living in a house in, in Hamilton and renting it. And isn't rent expensive? <sighs> so my son was farming outside of Hamilton. He said, Come on, I want mum to look after the kids and uh, you can have the house for free. And I go, Oh, yes. <laughs> so we moved into the house thinking it was going to be more than one year and uh, thinking it was going to be two. And then right on the brink of three months out from June, he informs us that we had to move. But he was moving and there was no more house for us. So we're in this dilemma of what do you do? Move back into town? $640 a rent for a house? Like, yeah, dang, no. (laughs) So 
we got into this dilemma and we just kept pressing into God, pressing into God. We had owned um, half share of 20 acres and a block of land the other side of Morrinsville. And um, then the owner came up and he said, of the, of the land that Jamie was on, and he said, look, there's a house for sale. So we looked at buying that. It was exactly what we wanted, but they wanted 780000 for it. And I'm like, Ugh. we didn't have that sort of money. So pastors are broke. <laughs> so we ended up um, having to make a hard choice. So we moved to the other side of Morris where we were now living, um, 40 minutes away from the church, 40 minutes away from everything we do. But it, it's, hey, it's ours. And then this is, this is how good God is. He, he is. he is really good. It's like, so the other half owner, he wanted 340, 340, 360,000 for his half. We still owed 100,000 on our half on what we owed. So we're like, okay, we might be able to afford the mortgage that we can't afford the rent. So we made the decision to move in there. And then God stepped in. And along comes the lady, this husband had passed away. And she said, I'll loan you your half, 460,000 for the lowest interest rate you could get. And then I was preaching in a Tikawata church um, um, just sort of a month later, and this lady comes up and she says, well, we'll loan you 70000 with no interest. And it's like, wow, wow. It just, just happened just like that. You know, It's like when you feel like you're getting squashed, God's got another plan. You know, We often look at what's happening so close, but... We need to look out and see what God is going to do because you just got to trust God and believe for what He can do in your situation. You know, um, so this is Jesus. He's in he's in uh, deep water, not deep water. He's <laughs> getting squashed and pushed around by the crowd. Do you know in the story there's two boats? There's two boats. Jesus looked around. He's getting squashed. He's getting pushed. There's two boats. So. Just say I'm standing on the seashore and people round beside me and, and I look out and I see two boats. And he goes and steps into one of the boats. First of all, he saw that there was two boats. The next thing he did, he went and stepped in one of the boats. Now you look at me as if that's normal. Is that normal? If you left this building and you go out to, and you find the best car in the car yard, you open it, you sit in it, and you see what the owner's going to say. That's what Jesus did. He just walked out of, the, out of where he was. He sat in the boat. Can you imagine doing that in somebody's car and somebody knocking on the window and saying, excuse me, what are you doing in my car? And you can say, well, I'm just going to use it for God's purposes. It's got a Zion sticker on it. You're supposed to be a Christian. <laughs> Don't you find that really weird? Jesus did that. You know, he just sat in a boat, just picked a boat, sat in it. So, here we go. Lost it. Peter, he got in Peter's boat. Why would you pick Peter? Why would you pick Peter? Peter was obnoxious. He was outspoken. You name it, he had a problem. Do you think he had a good childhood if he went around cutting people's ears off? He was everything but what you would expect that Jesus would call as a disciple. Can you get that around in your mind and you say, 
Isn't that what God's got us? God calls us and we're not perfect. Two boats. Two boats. Why did Jesus pick Peter's boat? Because if Peter had got up in arms, like if, if somebody was in your car and you'd have gone, get out of my car! If Peter had said that, Jesus would have gone into the other boat. Two boats. God chooses to use us. He wants to use you. You are the keys to growing the kingdom of God. God wants to use you. Peter, I believe Jesus looked at Peter's heart. He looks at my heart. He looks at your heart. He looks at our hearts. What does he see? Does he see somebody that's going to give up everything that they own? Is he going to see somebody that's going to go, yeah, you can have that. Yeah, you can have that. Yeah, you can have that. Or is he going to look at somebody and go, ooh, this is mine. Jesus saw his heart. Peter was willing to give up his boat. What are we willing to give up? Part of our journey with God since we became Christians and since God saved us is that God calls us called us to Bible college, so we, we were part of the Baptist whole system, so done a Baptist youth course and stuff. So we applied for the Baptist college, got rejected, devastated. God called us into training. So then we immediately the following week applied for BCNZ in Auckland to go to their Bible college, got accepted within the first week. Here's the thing. We knew God had called us to go and train. We put our house on the market, sold it, bush, went. We got what we thought was good money in those days. I think it was 56000 or something. It was like, woohoo. <laughs> we paid eighteen for it, so that was a good profit. <laughs> so we sold our house. We're in Auckland. We're a Bible college that pays for my tuition. It pays for our rent. It pays for everything in Auckland. We discovered that most of the students, I didn't find anybody that had not done the same thing. They had all rented their house out. They knew that the Bible college had a system where if you rent your house out, you got a, a money back sort of system. You didn't have to pay as much in fees. We were dumbfounded. And since we've been Christians, we cannot get over the fact that people are not prepared to give up what they've got to see the kingdom grow. Or... To grow in themselves. They hold it on. It's mine. You can't have it. You know, most guys won't lend their chainsaw, but they'll lend everything else. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Peter was prepared to loan Jesus his boat. What are, what are we prepared to loan him? What are we prepared to allow Jesus to get in with us in? What are we prepared? We struggled at the end of Bible college, we had nowhere to live. But God provides. We found a, a farmhouse. Um, then I got a job, and we started to build things up. We owed lots of money by then, and we slowly built our way up till now we have 20 acres and two houses. That's God. That's God. When we put God first and obedient to him, he supplies our blessings. So this is what the two boats is about. It's, about. it's about Peter. It's about him giving his boat. It was his livelihood. It was his parents' boat, most probably. It was their heritage to him. 
I mean, I don't think Peter would have brought the boat. I think it would have been his father's boat, and he just inherited it. But the fact is, he gave everything. That was his livelihood. That was everything that he knew to to, um, earn money. It was everything. It was his life. And he was prepared to give it up for God, for Jesus. When you let Jesus into your boat, look out. If you stand back and you say, no, no, I'm not going to let Jesus have my boat, it doesn't work. You don't get the blessings. We are called. And when we are called and we are supposed to be obedient to the word of God, we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to step out and do it. Peter was prepared to give him that boat. See, God looks at the heart. Doesn't look at this. Looks at this. It's the heart that's important. It's the heart where God looks. He looks in and he goes, can I use that heart? 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 And what do we say? See, a lot of the times we speak because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we say, nope, nope, not going to do that. I keep running to people in, in, in churches and say, nope, not doing that. I say, come on, lead up, lead. Nope, not doing that. I've got too much fear. Nope. You run into them all the times. And God, they miss the blessings of God. They really do. To be truthfully, my life was a mess when I came into God. It really was. I'm tall. Where do tall people normally stand? At the back. It took ages for me to stand in front of people. I was so fearful, it was unbelievable. Yet, but God changed me. You know, we've got to look at ourselves and we've got to go, I'm giving it all. I'm going to push through my fears. I'm going to push through that which is stopping me doing what God's called me to do. Hey, if God's told you to sell your farm and give it to the church, do it. I varied, uh, um, there was a lady in my church who um, passed away a while back. Her family were the family that gave a whole farm to a ministry that was the aviation overseas, you know, the, the Bible's in and helping people. Incredible story. Absolutely incredible. There's a book written on it. Her father gave their whole farm away to that ministry. And I, I was amazed because I wanted to find out what the rest of the kids felt about it. Because <laughs> their inheritance went out the door. Some of them were a bit, hmm. But some of them accepted it and could see what God was doing in the whole process, you know. But what are we prepared to give? When we went to Bible college, we got rid of everything. Everything, everything went. All, all the things I loved, all my fishing gear, all the shooting, hunting gear. I'm a hunter, fisher. I just, I love my, I'm a gatherer. <laughs> so we sold it all. We sold it all. And now I've got it back quadruple. But as soon as you give God what you've got, he blesses you abundantly, you know. I've got a boat now. Like, it's just amazing what God does, you know. It's just incredible. You know, we must give back what God's done. Peter was like that. Amazing, amazing. Peter, Peter I just love Peter. I, I spoke to our church about the life of Peter, you know. He was an amazing personality because you look at this bad boy and then you hit Pentecost, which has been, been two weeks ago. You hit the Holy Spirit and whammo, he just changed. From a guy that um, was so... Um, you know, he, he denied Jesus twice, three times. To a guy like that, 
that denied Jesus three times and all of a sudden he is now getting martyred upside down. He is getting stoned, he's getting chained, he is going through every prosecution that you go through, but he doesn't care. He's standing up for Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he comes upon us and fills us. Now, I love Peter. Incredible. These fishermen, they were ready to quit. They had not, they'd fished all night and they had not got a thing. Who's a fisherman? A few of you. <laughs> Worst thing about being a fisherman is not bringing home fish. You go out fishing, you want to bring back fish. That is the name of the game. These guys were hanged their nets up and they were sitting back, working on the nets, cleaning the nets. The boats were sitting there. How often do we quit when we don't get what we want? How often do we quit? In, in health, in marriage, in kids, and you name it, we quit, don't we? We quit. But God wants us not to quit because when we get Jesus into the boat, we don't need to quit. It's, it's just, you know, when I was dying of cancer and I was 14 and I, and, and I couldn't actually sit up, mum used to prop me up in my back. Her friends all came around and said, let Trevor go. Let Trevor go. Why put him through pain? Why, why do you do that? And mom said, because the word of God says that God is going to heal him. She stuck to the word of God. But isn't that what we, we, we often quit? You know, the doctors gave me the death report. The friends gave her the death report. Oh, we were Anglicans at that stage. The Anglican minister came up to prepare me for death. And mum put a hand across the door and said, you ain't seeing my son. I'll bring you out a cup of tea. You sit outside and we're going to have a chat. You're not seeing my son. You're not preparing him for death because he is not going to die. When, when do we quit? When do we clean our nets? When do we stand back? We need to go forward. We need to get Jesus in our boat. We, we've got to stop quitting. It, life is, oh, let's say crap, <laughs> a lot of the times. <laughs> it really is. You go through so much stuff. Whether you're in your church, doesn't matter whether you're outside a church, everybody I know is going through heaps of stuff. When you've got God on your boat, you're going to get an abundance. Got to do that. Got to stop being quitters. We can't be quitters any longer. We're living now in a time, I believe, that we've got to stand up more for God. In a world that's changing, in a government that's just destroying our nation, you know, we've got to stand up and say what the scriptures say about what we're doing. You know, don't be scared. I mean, oh, I might get offended. I might get offended. We've got to get harder. We've got to be, you don't see a, a, an all black out there on a match and, and he, he gets hit by a guy, you go, oh, I'm offended now. He gets rolled up and he gets back in there. He gets back in and he grabs him. We're Christians. We've got God on our side. If he's in our boat, we're right. We've got to get him back in our boat. So don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up with your kids. So many people I know that have got kids going astray, don't give up. Pray for them. Love them. 
Don't give up on them. I know, I know a couple of people at the moment that are going through headaches with their children, with suicides, cuttings, and all sorts of stuff. Don't give up on them. Love them. Help them. Encourage them. God can change it, I tell you, in the twinkle of an eye. Don't give up on them. Don't give up. Love them to bits. It's the only way to deal with your, your children. Love them to bits. So don't give up. Don't give up. So what's in your boat? What's in your boat? What gift do you have in your boat? What gift do you carry? At the moment, I'm a plastic welder. I've got pastors sending me all sorts of plastic stuff. I fix it for nothing. <laughs> What's in your boat? What can you do? My mum's my mom's 83. She's an amazing sewer. She really is. She, in her younger days, she used to sew um, wedding dresses, suits. She was a sewer for a menswear shop. Um, I can remember she sewed all our clothes all the way when we were being brought up. She said to guys in her church, she said, if you've got split trousers, holy trousers, I know it's a trend these days with some people, <laughs> whatever sewing you need, I'm going to do it for free. So she's got guys that have, have not married or, or coming to her with clothes, and she's sewn. That's her gift. She's using her gift. She's a, she's a hard-out prayer. So she, she says to people, come around, come around. You know, I've got heaps of time. Come around, and we'll pray for them. She's seen deliverance. In the last two years, she's seen three people saved to Christ. What has she got? She's using what she's got. What's your gift? What's your gift? You know, those two ladies that gave us money for our um, block, they had it spare. That was their gift, that, their gift to us. What's your gift? Is it finances? Is it your car? Is it your chainsaw? What's your gift? Is it food? What gift have you got to share with others? What gift does God want to you to use? When we came into the Baptist church, we were only in there a year in Morrinsville, a pastor came up and he said, we need a youth leader. Now, you can either make a choice to go, I know nothing about youth. <laughs> I know nothing about scripture. Or you can go, I'm going to walk through that hole. I'm going to get the information and I'm going to train myself and I'm going to have a lesson every week. We grew a group, Carol and I, from 11 to 13. We grew it from naught to about 22 kids in the pace of six months because we just used our brain. We, we got information in. We played games with them. It was just, Carolyn got really mad with them one night because they were being a bit boisterous. You know what 11, 13-year-olds are like? Told them all to go home. She kicked them out. Said that was it. <laughs> We had the parents coming back during the week with flowers and chocolates. And <laughs> what have you got? When Pastor Phil says to you, can you do something? What have you got? What have you got? The kingdom of God is going to be growing through you, not anybody else. Phil can't grow it. You guys are growing it. As I, as I get into the story, you're going to see the importance of God uses what you've got. 
What have you got? What's in your boat? What's in your closet? What, what have you got that God can use? Because that's what God wants. I know a lot of us um, think that our boats are not worthy. Our boats are stinky. Anybody that's a fisherman knows that if you don't clean your boat right, it gets really smelly. <laughs> A couple of times I've left a couple of pilchers down the back and I didn't see them, you know. And whoo, by the time the flies and the maggots got on them, whoo. <laughs> Do you think your boat's a bit smelly? Do you think you're not up to scratch? Because God can still use it. Often we think that we're not at a right level to teach children. We're not at a right level to teach youth group. We're not at a right level to use to lead a connect group. We're not at a right level to, to give a communion message. God's saying, just do it. Just do it. Be obedient to what God's called you to do. I nearly quit. I had a prophecy over me that I was going to be a pastor at the age of 32. It was confirmed three times. I spent from 32 to 50 looking to be a pastor. At the age of 50, I said, God, you've got wrong. You have really stuffed up. I'd trained as a chaplaincy. I'd trained as more training. I'd become a counselor, done a three-year course counseling. I had done everything to try and push a door to get into pastoring. No, not a thing. At the age of 50, I said, God, you've just messed up. I was farming at, the, at that stage, and I thought, well, farming's the rest of my life, that's it. So I got back into farming in a big way, and I was earning an income of about 150000 with a free house. So I was doing all right. And then a pastor friend, because I'm also a butcher, I do a lot of things, I was breaking down his beasts and his sheep for him, and he said, Trevor, I said, do you want to go and pastor and I want to go and preach in Tamaranui. And I said, yeah, I'll go and preach in Tamaranui. So I shot down there. First of all, I had to find out where Tamaranui was. I'd never even been to Tamaranui. And it's like, I came back and he said to me on the night service, he said, how'd it go, Trevor? Good as. I loved it. Loved just being part of the fellowship. It was a good country feeling. And I was at home. And he says, do you want to pastor it? At the age of 50, I was asked to pastor a church. I said, yes. She said, no. <laughs> Took her about three months, six months, long, longer than that, nine months before she agreed. When you're obedient to what, calls you to, what God calls you to do, look out, look out. You're not too old to do anything. You, want, you just need to be around my 83-year-old mother. She makes me look calm. <laughs> God can use you at any stage. We've got a lady in our cell group at the moment that's got cancer, and, and um, the other day in Braemar, she was told by the doctors it was past the stage. She was dying. She had no hope. Cell group the other night, she told us while she was in Braemar, she prayed for at least six women in the beds opposite her. She prayed for two nurses. And when she left, they said, oh, we're going to miss you. In the most awkwardest places, diagnosed with death, 
And here she is preaching the word of God. And I said to her, that is absolutely astonishing. I said, you will never know the impact that you have had on those people until you get to heaven. You think you're in a hard place? Ah, God can use you in a hard place. She's got more life in her than, than even me at the moment. Unbelievable. She's just incredible. God can use you, and it doesn't take, and you don't have to be in the right place. Got a crowd. You got a crowd of people. Don't take this crowd. Jesus is here. They're pressing in on him. He sees a boat. So he walks over to the boat, sits in it. Sits in the boat. Peter's in the crowd. Come on, Peter, push me out. Pushes him out. He preaches and then goes out. Peter is now a crew. You guys are all listening to the word. The crew are the ones that got the blessing and the miracle. Think about that. Think about that. It's not wrong to listen to the message, but as soon as you become a crew member, you get the blessing. In your life, if you're obedient to what God's called you and do what he calls you to do, you will get the blessing. Since we got called to be a pastor and since I've been obedient to him, I've been amazed at the blessings that have come my way in an absolutely astonishing way. I was in Tamaranui for about two years and I, I never shot a deer and I never, I, hunting skills were low. And I, I'd asked 50 people, can I go and shoot on your place? Uh, people down there really, <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm driving back because I used to work in Hamilton and then drive all the way back to Tamaranui. And at the crossroads leading to Tamaranui from Tikawiri, I slapped the steering wheel. God, I'm sick of it. I'm doing your work. I need to get a deer. No kidding. Less than half an hour down the road, what's standing on the side of the road? I, I turned my vehicle around. The deer was still standing there looking at me. I wound the window down. It was looking at me no further away than that, that window. I drove up the road. I drove in the, in the driveway and it was a solo mother living in there in the house. And I said, can I shoot in your trees? And she says, who are you? What are you? Got a license and da 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 And then she checked up on me. <laughs> and she said, yes, I shot over 25 deer in there in the next year. God blesses those who are obedient to him. Then, because I'd given up fishing, I come back out of there and my son had the boat. Dad, let's go marlin hunting. Some people take 20, 25 years to get a marlin. We caught one the first time that we went out. We caught one the second time we went out. We caught one the third time we went out. Three marlin. The guy that was smoking them said, I don't know what you've got, mate. But he said, I've been trying for 30 years. I can't catch one. When you're obedient to God, look out for the blessings because they will come. Just It, it makes your hair stand up on the end, the possibilities of, of what you want, you know, what you desire, but it comes with obedience. Peter had that in his heart because right at the end of the scripture, 
it says, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, for now you will, be, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Do you know he sacrificed the fish? He sacrificed the blessing. He sacrificed it. He gave up his all to follow Jesus and his companions. The thing I love about this story is when you're a crew member, and this is why I said at the start what I said, when you're sitting next to somebody, they get the blessing. The more we've been obedient to God, the more our family has got blessings. The people next to you get the blessings. Peter's crew, the other friends of Peter, James, they got the blessings as well. They got the fish. But they didn't go to the bank. They didn't go to the scales. They didn't go, woohoo, got a million dollars worth of fish now. <laughs> didn't do that. Gave it all up for Jesus to follow him. How important is it for us to use what we've got and to follow Jesus? When we've got him in our boat, whoa, nothing is impossible. I believe, and I've been preaching along the lines of this for ages in my church, everybody in my church has got a place to play. I've got ladies in, that are older in my church, and I've said, we've not done, never done a communion message, but because you've asked, I'm going to do it. We've got people now doing all sorts of stuff, because now they're starting to fulfill what God's called them to do. And the minute I get a, no, I'm not doing that, I go, you don't know what you're saying. You really don't know what you're saying, because you're saying no to God. You're staying as a crowd member. You haven't become a crew member yet. When you're a crew, you get the blessings and the miracles. God has a destiny for all of you people. God's calling you into something. He has a destiny for you. He's got a purpose and a plan for you. When you get to my age, you go, life's short. Why waste it? Sometimes I look back at my life and I go, man, I've wasted a number of years. Why waste it? Why waste it? Ah, and can you give up everything to follow Jesus? What's he asking you for? Because those are important questions to ask yourself after the service. What's God saying to you? What gift have you got? Can you, can you help in a youth group? Can you help in uh, food parcels? Can you help in whatever area? I have people that come into my church and a, and a guy that's came in from another church. And I said, what do you want to do? Oh, lead lead a men's group. Go, buy a head. He's now leading a men's group every week. He goes around and visits them. Amazing. And then you get a motorbike guy that's head motorbike. He was head, um, head of a motorbike gang in Hamilton, standing up in church saying, if John hadn't visited me every week and encouraged me, being my family, I would never be standing here today witnessing because the gang was his family 
Now the church is his family. The impact that guy's had in being released is amazing. But you've all got gifts. You've all got gifts. Mum was um, up with us for a week just recently, and she went home, and she ministers to all the ladies around her house. Well, they're all older people around in, in little units and stuff. They all come to her. A lot of them don't believe. Some of them are religious, but she just handles it all. It was interesting. They all came in and said, where have you been? Where have you been? We missed you. <laughs> she has an impact in her community. That's what we're called to do. Wherever you are, whether you're in a job or whatever you're busy at, you are in a community of people. Who are you touching? I work in a plastic welding shop and, and um, I've got um, Spotify on my phone. So I brought the stereo, put it in the workplace so I just took my Spotify on and it just rings out those sorts of songs that we were singing this morning. I've been amazed because some people come in and go, mm, okay. But then you get the guys that come in and they go, don't turn that down, I love that music. <laughs> you know, if we're not making a statement for God, what are we doing? We're just going through the process of life. And you get to the age of late in life and you go, I've missed it, I've missed it, I've missed it. I can't take everything I've got with me. You heard that joke about the, the guy that wanted his money with him? He said to his wife, I want all my money. When I die, I want all my money put in the fun- into, the, into my box. So she sat down and wrote a check out. <laughs> what have you got? God's saying, what have you got? What have you got? The cultural stuff can be a whole bunch of stuff. What have you got? We've got to start letting God into our boats. Because when we do, you'll get a miracle. You'll get a blessing. As I say, churches aren't perfect. I've not run into a perfect one yet. I've been in a few. (laughs) But do we run? No. We stay. We help. We encourage. We build up. We do what we're called to do. Because that's what God's called us to do. Is that a good word? (laughs) Yeah, we'll leave it there. Can I just pray? Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the Word of God. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, as you're wandering through amongst people, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, you are prompting people. Prompting people, Father, that need to give over something. Father, I know, Holy Spirit, that you must be speaking to people about you getting into their boat, you using them. God, I pray as people go through a manifest of of what they've got in their lives, what they can share, what they can give, what they can lay down, what they can do for your kingdom. I pray, Father, that, that they would follow through with that. God, that fear wouldn't hold them back. Anxiety wouldn't hold them back. 
stress wouldn't hold them back, pressure wouldn't hold them back. God, that they would be free, free to share whatever they have. You know their hearts. God, you know what they're thinking. You know what they understand. God, I pray. Father, I pray today that people's hearts would have the limiter taken off right now. Bust the limiter off them, God. God, because they can go way further than they even imagined. Father, I, I, I thank you that Peter, when he let Jesus in the boat, he didn't know that he would be ministering for three years. He didn't know that he would see eyes open, lames walk, dead rise. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't know that. First of all, he let Jesus in the boat. So God, I pray for, for people today that they would let Jesus in their boat. God, that they would be a partner with Jesus in everything they do. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, touch these people in this room today, God, that they might be and achieve what you've called them to achieve, to be. God, I pray that, and everybody goes, Amen.